Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Devin Kadayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Nearly 70,000 people have been waiting for settlement money that they're owed because of the fires caused by Pacific Gas and Electric. But so far, most of them haven't been compensated. All this waiting is taking a toll, and it's making it really hard for survivors to move on with their lives. Would it help to have that money? Yes. Would it help to even just have an idea of what amount of money we're talking about, yes. Today, why thousands of fire survivors are still waiting to get paid. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. You know, Paradise is the most recent of these fires affected by the settlement. There's people who have been waiting for a very long time. Lily Jamali is the host of KQED's The California Report, and she's also been following the PG&E settlement closely. They feel this real sense of lost dignity. You know, we lose stuff and we can rebuy stuff, but having to live in these conditions for what's been in the case of campfire victims two and a half years, it's a lot to carry. It has been horrible. Teresa McDonald lost her home in Paradise in the 2018 campfire. She had lived there for a number of years and like so many other people who lived in Paradise when the campfire broke out, um, had to make her escape. And I was lucky. I was at the lower part of Paradise. So I didn't, I, I drove through flames and, but not like some people. I wasn't trapped for hours. There was a lot of trauma associated with that process. I mean, she, like so many other people, had 
kind of was staring at death's door as she had to leave the town. That affects everything that I look at. I hate leaving my dog behind if I have to go shopping because I'm afraid that, well, what if there's a fire and I can't get back to her? She's, you know, sees herself as a little bit more privileged than some of her other fire survivors and is trying to advocate on their behalf. I have received a preliminary payment um, and I have my insurance payment. Will they, re- will, is that enough to replace the house that I had? No. She happens to have an accounting background. And um, as an accountant, she knows how to read a financial statement. And when we talked as this financial statement came out, this annual report that the Fire Victim Trust uh, submitted recently to the court, she took a look at it and said, you know, this would be laughable if it wasn't so upsetting. It's not transparent at all on where the money went. I wish that I could make the numbers add up. There's so many questions that she has about, for example, the bankruptcy settlement itself, but more recently about this trust and where all the money that's being spent is going. So Teresa sees this financial statement and she can tell that something's off. And I know that you are also looking into the issue of wildfire survivors and whether they're getting paid out of the settlement. Can you give us the basics of what you found? So what we know is for 2020, the Fire Victim Trust spent at least $50 million on fees and expenses. That's money going to the trustee, to administrators, and to several firms, law firms and Wall Street firms that have uh, been participating in getting you know, the trust going and, and managing it. And at the same time in 2020, just $7 million went to fire victims. 90% is going to overhead, basically. All of that money, those administrative costs, is coming out of money set aside for fire survivors. So this is not PG&E paying it. It's not shareholders. It's not ratepayers. It's fire survivors from their pool of money, from their settlement, that's where this money is coming from. And, and so what has this meant for Teresa's livelihood and all these other fire survivors as well? So Teresa considers herself to be fairly lucky. She has a place to live. She can, you know, she has food and her basic living expenses are met right now. But what she's doing right now, she's living in a rental in Chico. She is trying to find a new place to live. That's pretty hard when you don't know exactly how much money you have to spend. We will hopefully receive financial compensation that will let us move on. Like so many fire survivors, she's in limbo. She doesn't know exactly how much she's going to end up getting from this fire victim trust. Um, But she's kind of having to make these big life decisions with, you know, just a a fraction of the information that she would ideally have, including, you know, how much does she have in her savings once this whole thing is processed? Our lives are never going to be the same. Would it help to have that money? Yes. Would it help to even just have an idea of what amount of money we're talking about? Yes. 
so many of the people, especially in paradise, who lost their homes were retirees. Teresa had retired from her career as an accountant. And so when they think about, you know, the home that they lost, it wasn't just, you know, the property value or even fully the sentimental things that they lost, but it's also this idea of a home and their get old home is what some of them call it, where they had expected to live out the final years of their lives. I think that that aspiration is something that many of them are still holding onto, this idea that they might be able to plant roots again somewhere and live comfortably if they're able to get compensated for all that they lost. I think the people who are running this trust, who are controlling the entire process, were none of them victims of these fires. Therefore, they don't understand the need for speed. I, I kind of want to turn to how PG&E has planned to pay uh, fire victims. Can you remind us what is the plan to pay fire survivors? The way that this plan was conceived of was there were, you know, all those fires in 2015, 2017, and 2018. PG&E goes into bankruptcy right after the campfire, just a couple of weeks later. And it was because they had all these liabilities mounting. As they kind of figured out what to do, they decide to go into bankruptcy protection. And then this settlement with fire survivors comes out in December of 2019. That settlement was marketed, if you will, as being worth $13.5 billion. But the important thing to know about it was it was actually $13.5 billion in half cash, half stock. That seems unusual to have a settlement like this tied in stock. Is is that normal or is it abnormal? It's extremely unusual from what several experts I've spoken to have told me. PG&E stock could go up or down. I spoke with Ken Ayotte, who's a bankruptcy professor at UC Berkeley. And what he told me was that of all the different entities in this bankruptcy that should have ended up carrying the risk of PG&E stock, the last group that should have been in that situation are fire survivors. There is no reason that I can think of that the claimants, the fire claimants, are the best people to be bearing uh, the PG&E stock risk. The value of the pot of money fluctuates each and every day. So if your you know, settlement money is tied up in this way to PG&E stock, you know, when, when PG&E stock goes up or down a dollar, we're talking about $500 million more or less being added or subtracted from the value of this trust. In fact, the Trust for Fire Victims owns about a quarter of all PG&E shares. So why is it a part of the plan at all then? This is something that some fire survivors were asking from the very beginning. It turns out that by the time their settlement was struck, hedge funds and insurance companies had already locked up quite a bit of PG&E's cash in a deal of their own. So now victim compensation is partly tethered to how PG&E performs. This was the deal that uh, PG&E offered, and we're sitting here and people by and large have not gotten paid. So, so let's break this down a little bit. Why, why is it taking so long? And why is it that the people running this settlement are paying themselves so well while so many people like Teresa are still waiting? 
Part of this comes back to the stock issue, where if you don't have a fixed amount of money, if it's changing all the time, you want to make sure that you don't run out of money. They don't want to give the early group that they've processed 100% and then turn around a few years later and say, oh gosh, we ran out of money. I wish we had been a little more conservative early on. One expert who I spoke to, Scott McNutt, he's a former governor with the California State Bar. He was counsel to the fee examiner during the bankruptcy portion of the PG&E case, so he knows it well. This bankruptcy case was filed in order to protect the wildfire victims. They've been waiting for nearly three years. They've gotten essentially nothing so far. He's less concerned about the hourly rate that some of these folks are charging, $1,250 an hour for the claims administrator. You have the trustee making $150,000 a month. But if you're going to spend a lot of money, then he says you really want to be able to point to some results. The individual hourly rates are not offensive. The, The issue is what's getting done and how fast is it getting done? I think those results have thus far eluded these fire victims, not just in the view of experts like him, but certainly in the view of fire victims as well, who are living, in some cases, in dire straits. I'd, I'd say to Teresa McDonald that I'd, I'd beg forgiveness for, on behalf of all the professionals who work in this industry. One group or another keeps shouldering them themselves to the front of the line, wanting to get paid before the fire victims are paid. Is there any hope that the settlement's going to speed up, that that people will get paid sooner than later? I think there is hope that there's going to be more payments coming soon. While we don't have the actual amount of money that the trust has charged since the end of 2020, we know that they have distributed total almost $200 million in various kinds of payments to fire victims. The trust does seem to be paying out money faster in 2021, but the total amount comes to just 2% of the billions that these families have been waiting for for more than a year. But I don't have a lot of visibility into how this trust works. We did ask the trust several times. I mean, you know, please help us understand where this money is going. And the trust repeatedly denied our requests for interviews or to even answer our questions about our findings. I'm not trying to say they have anything to hide, but that information is quite simply not in there and easily accessible for anybody who wants it. At the beginning, we talked about Teresa McDonald's story, and I know you've talked to a lot of other fire survivors this whole time. What does it mean for so many of the survivors that they're not getting this money yet. One of the things we talked about was how, you know, it's complicated the process of finding a new place to live. And I think that's a really important idea, this idea of planting roots again somewhere and starting over. A part of me wants to go back to paradise simply because I loved paradise and also because If I don't go back to paradise, then the fire won. It's sort of wrapped up in this trauma that so many of them have suffered from the escape of the fire, from that experience. Um, Teresa McDonald talked to me about when she's going to look at places right now, she imagines the neighborhoods that she's driving through being on fire. 
I look over across the street where my neighbor is rebuilding and I can literally see her roof on fire again. Even though I know there's no fire there, it's, I can't, I can't explain why I can't get that vision out of my head. I mean, that was a really powerful thing for me to, to process. It was really emotional because imagine that, you know, like buying a new house is supposed to be a new beginning. It's supposed to be a, a privilege and a wonderful experience for people. And here she is driving through Nevada City imagining what all the trees on fire would look like and if she's going to be able to escape. These are the really awful and heartbreaking considerations that people are now making when they think about, well, where am I going to move to next? What are you going to be watching as this story and as the settlement continues? What things should we be paying attention to? I think we should be paying attention to uh, the pace of payments, whether they pick up. Um, I think we're seeing signs that that is hopefully on the horizon very soon. I think what what we should be looking for is signs that this trust is willing to be more transparent about their costs, about their expenses, about who they are paying, such that reporters like us don't have to basically piece this together and then um, come to them with our findings and be totally rebuffed. I just don't think that that is appropriate because this is not money from a bank or a big corporation. This is money from a trust that was set up to be the fiduciary for 70,000 fire victims. So those fire victims are not wallflowers. They are demanding answers and they deserve those answers. Lily, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much, Devin. It could take years for the PG&E Fire Victims Trust to fully pay out the $13.5 billion it owes to fire survivors. Last fall, a claims administrator from the trust told Lily it could take two years, but some fear that it could take even longer. And this Saturday, some fire survivors have planned a rally in Paradise to protest the way this process has been unfolding. Thanks to Lily Jamali, host of KQED's The California Report. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montecilio. Shaylin Martos is our production assistant. Issa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. The Bay is made by your local public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you later. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, 
please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.